miss you, Rachel. Fals your roof, hig, and how did that make you feel? Ta shockton nagilaga er shul anish, August bela ella podrig unjikating. Tame egg fulum nagilig, la couple of me. Kajamer Tashiv. So I just said hello and welcome to and how did that make you feel? Um, it's um, shocked in a Gaelic, um, so Irish language week at the minute, and it's St Patrick's Day on Wednesday. Um, I have been learning Irish for a few months, um, and then I finished by asking, "How are you?" Um, so Grandma, I get to my my pal Dan, who is also teaching me some Irish in his classes, for helping me with that introduction, um, just to get us in a St Patrick's Day mood. But back to normal scheduled podcast business. Um, welcome to the podcast where we talk about therapy and emotions and all those good things to try and normalise it a bit and make it as normal as talking about what you're binging on Netflix. By the way, I'd love to know. There has been an increase in listeners the last couple of months. Welcome. You're all very welcome to this space. I just remind everyone that I'm always looking for willing volunteers to come onto the pod to chat with me about your experiences in therapy. Um, the great thing is, yes, we might all use the same methodologies or we might all have CBT or we might have the similar experiences, but we bring ourselves um, and our individual stories, which is what I love hearing about. And I hope you guys do too. So if you would like to come and chat to me, please seek me out on Instagram. My handle is at and how did that. Um, speaking of Instagram, that's where I met today's guest. His name is Pete. Um, and one of the many strings to his bow is he founded and runs a mental health charity called Post Pieces, uh, which he tells us all about in the episode. Uh, another member of the Post Pieces team ran 5k every day of February dear love him um so as we've done before I've made a donation on behalf of the pod Pete and I have a cracking conversation about mental health in the arts his experiences at school and university we both have recovered memories um I yeah really enjoyed it loved it um Pete and I were yarning away so much before I hit record I forgot to get him to introduce himself. So he very kindly sent me one of my favourite things, a voice note. And I've slotted that in at the beginning. So um, that might sound a bit strange, but I always like to let people introduce themselves in their own words. So please enjoy my chat with Pete. Hello, my name is Peter Heenan. I am an actor and theatre maker from Belfast. I currently live in London um, and I also run a grassroots non-profit called Post Pieces. The Post Pieces thing, uh, so Post Pieces is a grassroots mental health non-profit. We use art to explore mental health. Um, we run workshops and community events. Uh, we are doing a lot of stuff online at the minute for the LGBT plus community. Um, I'm just impressed myself with how quickly I said that. Uh, so we did a lot of work there, and we're doing. What are we doing? We're we're commissioning artists. So I'd say check out our Instagram. You'll get to see some really cool art being made that we're hopefully going to be distributing across Northern Ireland pretty mm. soon. Um, what's what's your handle? 
That's good. Uh, at post pieces. Um, the company originally we were called at we were pieces, and then someone already had that handle. Oh. Uh, it's post. <laughs> no, that but that's quite nice. Like, cause it's their postcard size, and you know. Oh, oh, that was a. I got really carried away with the name. There's a whole story there of like post after you've been in pieces. Oh, oh. <laughs> piece of artwork, a piece of you. Uh, <laughs> Here we go into the beginning of the recorded episode. Thanks. Uh, Pete, thanks so much for joining me this evening. Good cheers for having me. Great. Uh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll not beat about the bush. We'll get straight in. Um, do you want to tell me about the first time you went to therapy? Yeah, sure. Uh, first time I went to therapy, um, funny enough, actually ended up on the front page of the Belfast Telegraph and local newspapers. Oh, right. Okay. Um, <laughs> Oh, cringing thinking about it. Uh, so the first time, I it wasn't my choice. I was in. I went to school at a time when we got a new principal, and it was very tense. And there was a whole bunch of industrial action, and I was head boy, and I'm not a shrinking violet. Mm-hmm. So, I there was this dispute, and I wrote an open letter. Um, about the problems because I had nobody teaching me A levels. Mm-hmm. I'd be extremely stressed. Um, would spend most of the day no teachers. So I wrote an open letter to the local newspapers explaining the situation. Um, and as part of that, there was a line: "I'm in counselling due to stress," which hilariously became a headline. Um, so it was about. Um, I think the first time I went to counselling was really just this stress around exams and A-levels and not having consistent teachers mm-hmm. for the subjects. Um, but yeah, front page, that was, that was a, an embarrassing yeah. moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how, how was that at that kind of age for your peers to know that you were seeing a counsellor, you know, never mind the whole readership of the Bell Tale? Yeah, that's, that's the funny thing. I was... I'm not there. I've never been quite quiet about it. Mm. Uh, I remember I didn't really know I was getting counselling. Right. Um, so it was just that you need to see the person in this room at this time. And I'm like, oh, okay. yeah. So I went into this room. Didn't have any windows. It was in a room in the school I've never been to. Um, and it was just this woman who was asking me where I was and blah, and explained that she's the counsellor. And apparently she had been in the building every day of like and she was always there but i'd never needed counseling before so i had never come across her mm-hmm. um but i think it was i mean i was a teenager so i was a bit embarrassed that everyone knew everything um but i think it was it was kind of oddly nice that it was so public because from day one i wasn't embarrassed mm. to say that i need help um, there really was a bit of a baptism of fire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was a school counsellor, and so you didn't ask to be referred or anything. They literally just pulled yeah, you out of class and away you went. They're like this room this time, and then I ended up in there. But it was really, it was a really good experience. Uh-huh. It was absolutely lovely. Um, and 
the relief of speaking about it because Irish families, we all love, love my family so much. Mm. We're all extremely close, but we're not great at talking about how we are. Or um, I think like at that time, um, I was still in the closet about my sexuality and still very confused. Mm-hmm. And we just didn't talk about those things. So it was nice to have a space that was non-judgmental that I could just get everything out there. Um, and what really struck me, I go to Clemson still, and even throughout university, I was quite consistent with it, because there's something about someone external from your situation mm-hmm. that you can just bounce things off and not be judged if you say something ridiculous or stupid. Or, yeah. And they call you out. That's the other really good thing about a counsellor. If you have a good relationship with them, and it is a bit like dating, you need to find the one that fits. Mm-hmm. But they'll call you out if you're um, overthinking something, or they'll point you towards a pattern that's appearing. Um, so most of the time with my counsellor, it's just been, oh yeah, of course you're right. Yeah. Or, it, it's that thing again. Yeah, I hate that feeling. Like, no. no. So every, every time I go, I'm like, I know myself so well, and then by the next time I end up repeating the same mm-hmm. behaviour, and I'm like, thought I was over that, I oh. thought I cured that. I've said that so many times to my counsellor, I'm like, are we back here again? Did we not? Yeah. I thought we had dealt with this. <laughs> and I think that's it, like, that mentality of um, kind of one step, I've done this now, like, I've done my counselling session, mm-hmm. so that's old and done but it's not as cut and dry as I want it to be. Yeah. And I'm a very methodical person. I'm like, I've had a glass of water and I went for a run. <laughs> I should feel great. Yeah. Why don't I? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I've definitely treated counselling before as um, a tick box exercise. I mean, I've done my counselling for the week. I've talked about my feelings. Mm-hmm. So I'll be fine boggling everything else up. Um, which is why um, I think doing it regularly is so so good because you're constantly reevaluating and checking in and um, well yeah no I, I love it and I couldn't be more of an advocate for it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so how did you just have that one session with the school counsellor or did you see them did they like keep pulling you out of classes or that's a good question actually I, th- I think I only saw her about four times mm-hmm. and I, I think it was only through the thick of it mm-hmm. um I was very nerdy at school, so I was like, this is an R that I could be revising. So I was like, I need to go do that. Um, so I think the first time, I think I only had maybe like four sessions. And then when I went on to university, because I'm an actor, that's my main job, or it was before COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and the training is really, really intense. And you're talking about very difficult situations and playing characters and challenging situations. And growing up, acting was my release. So going to rehearsals for a play mm-hmm. after school was my release. And suddenly that became my nine to six. I mm. uh, like, I, what do I do now? I get all these feelings out. So definitely ended up back in constant during that. And that was much more regular. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think I'm only now getting to the point that counselling is... I'm not seeing counselling as a band-aid or a quick fix. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing it more as something that you can integrate within your life. 
Okay, mm. whenever you're feeling fine as well as yeah. if you're in the state I did sometimes during counseling. Yeah. That that like some of the feedback I've had from the podcast is people having that realisation that they don't have to wait until they hit rock bottom or until they're, you know, air quotes sick. Um, mm. you know, that they can, that it is something that you can do just as a check in with yourself and it you know, it's sure. It's really, it's a really positive thing to do. Um, I don't know, like, there's so much stigma around it mm. because, and oh, actually, I'm, I've just realised thinking back to what I've said, I've made it sound like I was out and proud about going to counselling. I used to, whenever I was on antidepressants, I called them my stomach tablets. Yeah. Uh, whenever I, what else? The I remember sitting in A and E for a mental health related thing once, uh-huh. and the guy. To me, asked me, and I was like, I made up an illness because <laughs> I was too embarrassed. Um, and with counseling, I would I remember bumping into my friend in uni on the walk to my counselor, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, I'm, I'm going to see a friend, uh, <laughs> just a friend that you don't know, <laughs> which is really, I was in Cardiff, we all knew everyone, so mm-hmm. it clearly wasn't a friend. Um, yeah. But no, I think I think at this point I'm a little bit yeah, we're part in the sleeve. And so when you were at university, I mean, with mental health, was it talked about amongst your friends and your peers, or you know, were you more like, was the university offering any kind of support? They were. They had the counselor, um, which was great, and I was so so thankful to be able to access free counselling at that time, mm. um, because being a student. You don't have a lot of money, mm-hmm. um, so getting that free counselling through them was great. And students, so it, it was actually in university that I set up Post Pieces, mm-hmm. which is the nonprofit on mental health. And I went into them to ask, I think to put out flyers about it. And then they ended up giving me a little bit of funding so we could expand. And then by my third year, um, we had mental health stations in the SU permanently oh uh, so I think it, I I worked with the college and, and like even I last week I was back doing a mental health workshop for their current students online brilliant um, and they're doing a really lovely project at the minute um on kindness where they're giving people a tenor and they're just saying take this tempo and and do something kind for someone mm-hmm. and that could buy someone a bouquet of flowers or it could be use this money to buy materials to make crafts to sell to make more money for a charity mm. so they i've got to admit credit where credit's due they they're really really pulling their weight yeah i think mental health is just i mean goodness it's how many years since i graduated 11 12 um but it just mental health seems to be much more as much as there still is a stigma around it it does seem to be more widely acceptable to talk about it in broad strokes or you know in broad kind of terms especially at kind of universities they're much more kind of clued in to to try and offer the support and actually that's you've reminded me we um we started post pieces started with the phrase make art not flyers um, mm-hmm. because I was sitting in the students' union and there were flyers on a, on a table in the SU and 
about like wellness tips and all that sort of stuff and I was too embarrassed I, I needed help and I was too embarrassed to go and get the flyer because people around would see me um, picking this out and be like oh. again be overthinking that mm-hmm. they would notice um, so I was too embarrassed to go get the flyer and then when I finally did pluck up the courage to get it it just ended up in the bin by the end of the day mm-hmm. um, flyers aren't something you hold on to um, which is why we started with the idea of make art not flyers so a post piece is an A6 postcard with a piece of artwork made by someone on the mental health and then on the back of it there are helpline numbers um, handwritten advice from the person that made the artwork and the idea is that that's something that someone's going to keep um, mm-hmm. and we would hide them in public places so in library books I'm sure librarians hate me <laughs> Um, or in cafes but the idea is that someone's going to find a piece of artwork they're going to keep it maybe on their wall because it's a bit novel and then if they do need a helpline number it's in their home already um, so that, that was our, our thinking behind it mm. so was that you and some classmates that, that did that at university or um, it was literally just it was just me it was quite it's a it's a lonely way operation uh-huh. we um, thankfully there's a team um, but at university I would rope my friends in when we were doing events or rope them in whenever we we're doing an exhibition or something mm-hmm. but I do remember on Valentine's Day I held a like self love love yourself workshop and nobody showed up <laughs> it was just me on Valentine's Day surrounded by paintings <laughs> I was like oh um, so yeah no I, it was quite lonely uh, Bless your heart. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. Now that that sounds like a particularly painful and ironic event, um, holding a Valentine's Day workshop and nobody turning up. But sometimes those kind of experiences in our early kind of formative years can really stand us instead, in good stead later on, mm. later on in life. Yeah. yeah, having those opportunities at university to try things and start things and things fail and it not really be a big deal whereas you get a bit older and starting something or failing at something just can fail if you haven't had those like failure experiences really feel like the world has fallen down around you just because something hasn't hasn't quite gone your way that's Um, exactly it and I think I, I am no stranger to failure so many things like we've done workshops where nobody's came or I've tried something just even across in my personal life mm-hmm. and my professional life um, but I think I do think it's really healthy to to fail and fall flat on your face mm-hmm. and do it publicly um, because it just it, I don't know toughens you up or makes you stronger not in that horrible tough love kind of way we should all be nice to each other yeah I've learned so much from those uh, difficult times yeah my counsellor talks a lot about um, the window your window of tolerance and like your resilience levels Um, and I think those those kind of things that don't go your way help expand your window of tolerance help you grow your grow and stretch your resilience um, and you might not see it at the time because you're in the thick of it and it feels terrible and you feel like shit but then when you look back you're like oh well 
I can cope with more things now or deal with things a bit better because I've grown and learned from from those difficult experiences. Yeah. That's such a good way to look at it. I don't I've not thought about it like a window of tolerance, mm. but that's so true that it does build up. Yeah. Um, and I think the 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 knockbacks, um in the we might need to edit this, I've forgotten what I was gonna say. window of tolerance, knockbacks it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was great. It's gonna be really insightful. <laughs> Well, now my mind's going blank as well. Here, talk about failure and. This is healthy. Keep this in. We all mess up. <laughs> um, moving on from <laughs> from failures. <laughs> um, so, like, within when you were at university um, and seeing a counselor, like, did you have many friends who were also seeing counselors, or did you kind of feel. Like, was it quite isolating or? Um, I think, I think one, looking back now, I, I know that I had loads of friends that were seeing counsellors. Mm-hmm. At the time, I'm not so sure I knew about it. Um, yeah, I, I don't think, no, I don't think the conversation was normalised amongst us at yeah. that point. Um, but now, I mean, maybe it's the group I'm, I'm with. I'm with a bunch of actors who are all very... <laughs> emotional um kind of creatures so i think yeah i think amongst my group of friends we're very very open but i even even with my family now mm-hmm. it's quite open and it used to not be at all mm. um so I, I do feel that shift that society is moved in the right direction mm-hmm. um but of course it's it's not everyone and i forget that there are especially when i work with young people i think because I've moved on and I'm so open with it, everyone is. Um, whereas whenever I work with young people, I see those kind of traits that I had, and I think it's a process. Mm. I'm not sure if we'll ever get to the point that everyone's super okay um, talking about it all the time. Yeah, I'm not okay talking about it all the time, but yeah, I I think we're moving in the right direction. Mm. I think media, the representation of mental illness and for mental health in the media is so so much better than it was yeah definitely i mean when you were 17 18 you know before you'd had any kind of counseling what what was your idea of what counseling or what mental health was i I thought that's for i (laughs) well this is so bad but i thought that's what crazy people did or i thought that's what we i I remember a family member, I'll be quite vague because I'm not sure how open this is, but I remember there was a bereavement in the family and a family member was going seeing the counsellor in school. And I remember finding out, I'm not even sure if I got told directly, but finding out, being like, oh, oh, they're crazy and it means if they think, if they're seeing a counsellor, then they must be at this extreme point and mm. you're on eggshells around them. Um, so yeah, no, I, my, and also I wouldn't have wanted to go. Yeah. I think me not knowing that I was seeing a counsellor the first time that I went was very useful for me. Mm. 
accessing it. Yeah. Um, a sneak attack. It really, it really, it was like a blow dart. I didn't see it coming, and then, and now I'm, I'm hooked. Yeah. But I, I do wonder if, if I would have, if it hadn't have been for that sneak attack, would I be where I am today? Yeah. Probably not. I think I would have always been a bit too afraid. Mm-hmm. Because who are counsellors? Like, I, I think that they're, and actually that's something I've really realised recently counsellors are people too mm-hmm. um, and in my mind they were these white coat wearing if you say something they're going to write it down and then medicate you And you know, I'm not quite sure where that came from it's mm. very wonderful with the cuckoo's nest or something but <laughs> oh 100% media 100% yep yeah. um, and actually there was a there was a show the man who fell to pieces, um, in Belfast. I'm not sure if you saw it. Um, it was part of the inspiration of both pieces, mm-hmm. and it was about a man literally falling apart. And I remember going to see that with my parents. And after that conversation, we started. I was walking the dog, and my dad was talking about his mental health, and it amazed me how art could spark that conversation in someone that wouldn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why with the work I do with those pieces I think art and media is such a great tool for sparking these conversations um, and it's immeasurable like we can't I, I, do, I do a lot of like monitoring forms and effective va- evaluations mm-hmm. and all that stuff but it, I really do believe art has the power to affect change that we can't feel or we can't measure but yeah we feel it <laughs> yeah we know it. i've seen it um especially that conversation with my dad about mental health um and that was all sparked from a play just yeah. in Belfast that we went to see out of the blue yeah Ab- absolutely anything creative anything like art orientated um can be a vehicle to have those conversations that you you could sometimes you can't just turn to somebody and say let me talk about my mental health it's an, it's an excuse yeah and that's something with so we do we don't do art therapy i'm not an art therapist mm-hmm. um, we do community workshops on mental health yeah so and i remember i was doing one in with a group in hollywood and there's a bunch of young people and I, I couldn't go that night because I was working, so I sent someone else to my place and they came back and were chatting to me about it. And they said, it's not about the art. Like, what they're making does not matter. Mm-hmm. Their hands are busy, so their mouths open. And mm-hmm. they're speaking and saying things without realising. Um, so kind of like that sneak attack. It's the distraction method. Um, but yeah, and I love working with young people. I think there's so much potential. And seeing how much young people are taking control of their mental health support. Um, there's a group whose name I can't quite remember back home, um, but it's a bunch of young people who came together to petition for better mental health services. And I wish you were my friend yeah. when I was that age. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like, certainly when I was at school, there was 
well, there was definitely no school counsellor in my school. Um, when I was teaching, the last school I taught in, there was a, there was a school counsellor, but it was a rough school, you know, so that even then, in my kind of early 20s, it wasn't something, I wasn't kind of thinking, well, every school should have this. Every, every pupil should, like, this is what your, you know, PSHA or whatever the equivalent is now, like, this is what, these are the tools they need to be taught. Um, yeah. Not flipping citizenship or, well, well, no, citizenship is very important, but. <laughs> is it, no, I do remember doing learning for life and work in school. Yes. Learning the most ridiculous things. I was like, why do I need to know this? When I grow up and mm-hmm. actual things, like if you're having a bad day, what do you do? Yeah. And I'm, that's something that I ask a lot of people and we bounce ideas around because and I'm a big fan as a little thing to do just make a list in a journal that you're going to keep of things to do when you feel I'm not sure if I can swear that would but it really like because it gives you a roadmap Mm -hmm. out of feeling grim Mm -hmm. because when I'm when I'm down there feeling grim I don't have the brain power to pull myself out of it. So if I have if I have a list, then I'm just like, all right, first thing I need to do, go and drink a glass of water, do some breathing, do this, have a bath, put you know, I can work through my list rather than be like, I can't see any way out of this. Yeah. And that's how you spiral when there's no way out mm-hmm. and that kind of despair sets in. And I am so guilty of it. If I feel bad everything bad never mm-hmm. hates me and the world is out to get me when in reality pers- if you just take a step back and that's what those things like taking a bath or mm-hmm. a glass of water or going out for a walk they give you time to to get a sense and i'm a big fan of sensualness sense of using your senses <laughs> so um like tasting something and being really mindful mm. about what it tastes like to root yourself mm-hmm. um, and I, I do think I'm, I'm very lucky because being an actor all of the all of the breathing exercises that we do mm-hmm. calm down your nerves before you go on to do a play yeah not only, I just took that that I was doing since I was no age when I was doing plays took that and just applied it to normal life mm-hmm. and it the change is just profound. Mm-hmm. I, I get really nervous, and I find lockdown has exasperated this when I speak to people. Mm-hmm. So I just do what I would do before I go on stage sometimes, and it really chills me out. Yeah, find the things that work in other aspects of your life, and sometimes it does. It needs. It takes somebody else to like help you join those dots up. Mm-hmm. Those those tools you can use whenever yeah. you, know, you don't have to that's not just boxed off for that one aspect of your life if something is beneficial to you you can apply it whenever you need to so um, you said you're a musician do you have like a pre-performance ritual that um no not really so i would do a lot of choral conducting well previously and working with choirs and that doesn't make me as nervous I was thinking about this the other day, actually. I At university, when I went to college, I went as a pianist. And I hadn't thought about this in years. 
and had a recovered memory of my Christmas recital in first year playing some back or something and just stopping halfway through and turning and saying I can't I can't play it I can't I can't go on um and whereas when I was at school nerves never bothered me playing playing away not a bother and then going that change of environment of going into music college and suddenly being a little tiny tiny fish in this massive pool had a big impact on on my like performance nerves um and then I, I play a brass instrument as well and i swapped after one year of being really quite miserable playing the piano and swapped to, to brass and was doing quite a lot of singing um and that never i very rarely would feel nervous with that i think because it's all breathing based like i have to be able to breathe well to make a half decent sound um but definitely like playing the piano still would make me would make me very nervous um and i do some silly things like um you can do some stuff with your ears that really helps with nerves um like if you squeeze your ears for like is it 30 seconds or something okay and then it brings all your senses to your ears or another one um if you focus on your big toe this is really similar. I have a, I'm not thought about this at all, but you saying about your big toe, I have a technique. If I'm on stage and I feel tense and nervous, I clench my bum <laughs> really tight. And I think, I think it was Laurence Olivier <laughs> rumoured that he did it. Um, if you clench it really, really tight and then release, that that is probably the same principle. It's sending your awareness to one part uh-huh. in the muscle relaxation. I never thought about that, but of course now whenever I'm feeling stressed, I'm gonna tense my butt. <laughs> you can do it with your foot, apparently, but I. <laughs> well, there's the name for this episode: tensing your bum. Tensing your bum. <laughs> it works. <laughs> so I went on a, on a big tangent there about um recovered music college memories. <laughs> no, I think they're very similar to drama school memories as well. Have you seen the film Whiplash? I have, yeah. Like, I did not have a particularly tense... I, you know, I had no experiences like that at all, but that film really resonated with me. It's like, oh, that was that was hard to watch. Those, that kind of competitive nature of a kind of arts college experience. Which I imagine for actors is probably a whole lot worse. It is pretty. I mean, thankfully not as bad as Whiplash. Yeah. But um, it is very because you're constantly comparing yourself to people, um, and I'm still not perfect with it. I still mm. like and it's very hard because I have friends who are doing incredibly well and are in amazing shows on Netflix, mm-hmm. and then and you're flat <laughs> just. Oh, drinking kind of cheap coffee. Yeah. Um, so it or um, I think comparison is so normal. Yeah. For humans to do, um, but essentially we're all just the same, and they have their down days as mm-hmm. well. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was quite a competitive. I feel like I do wonder because 
I've always been, I trained as an actor and I still act. But my long-term ambition is to be an artistic director of mm. the venue. I, I took so much joy from planning things that people come together and creating an environment that's welcoming and warm. Mm. That's what really kind of keeps me going or I find really exciting. Mm -hmm. So when I get to work with directors who are extremely collaborative and make a lovely environment, I work so much better. Yeah. But sometimes you get, as an actor, you're at the bottom of the pecking order. So you can be cast by someone who creates a very toxic environment. Mm. And I find that I just make a, a few little things that I make the changes myself. So I, <laughs> not to give away names or things, but I've definitely been in rooms that have been quite toxic. And I have a technique of just glazing my eyes over mm-hmm. if someone's shouting at me. <laughs> or, and then just, it really works. Yeah. Where kind of having a mantra in your head that will get you through while someone's being horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unfortunate, but it is it is just the reality of it. Yeah, yeah. Abiding, they'll take on whoever's around them. Um, um, but do, I mean, do you find as an actor, like I know there's been a big increase in the kind of musicians, like mental health charities specifically for musicians. You know, is there is there much kind of focus on support for actors' mental health? especially during covid oh yeah we're all we're all unemployed and we're all skinned mm. uh, but it is true that and that really does knock your confidence mm. whenever I, I saw something about a poll of it was you know jobs that we found out aren't essential during these lockdowns and artist was on there of course and that's we're all listen. we're all listening to music we're all watching shows on netflix there are incredible dramas like you just need to watch it's a sin to see mm. drama being used for a social purpose yeah like more people were tested i think in a day for hiv after it's a sin was launched than in the entire week of national hiv testing week mm-hmm. year before yeah the art, art has so much oh, power massively um and it is it is very disheartening whenever you see arts council budgets being cut um yeah i've totally forgotten my question was i just uh, um do you think is there much like mental health support for actors i don't know how i got up into the arts council cuts but yes yes there there's um there's a beautiful charity um industry minds um and they offer really really affordable counseling for for actors um and then back home, the Tinderbox do a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Brewster Theatre Company, the, cur- the company I work for, mm-hmm. we're doing addressing mental health through drama sessions. Mm. So I think there is a lot of support and the industry's really waking up. Like even things, normally if you audition for a job, they don't tell you if you haven't got it most of the time. Um, you're, yeah, you're just left in this limbo. Dangling, oh. And it, but that is changing and equity you're doing a great job of fighting for that because I find myself in like not knowing that I haven't got a job until I see someone on TV playing oh. the role and it's just that limbo 
I, <laughs> I love structure and I like to know what yeah. I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think the industry's changing and there are definitely so many more charities. Like, Post Pieces is me, who's an actor, Oren, who's an actor, uh, Ro, who's an actor, and we have a volunteer who does our social media every now and again, who also is an actor. Mm-hmm. And that, that wasn't intentional, it just happened to be... I think actors have a lot of empathy. I think that's the, the one... If we have anything, it's we feel a lot of things and we, we care a lot about other mm-hmm. people. So I think there's a lot of change, but it's coming from the ground up mm. um, rather than the top. Yeah. There's so much to do. But to to pull us back to talking about talking about counselling, um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, so the counsellor that you're seeing at the moment, are you seeing them over Zoom? I am, which is my first time over Zoom, Mm. Um, and I was really really hesitant. Yeah, but I it was funny. I remember the first session with her. I was like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm in a good place, just doing this, you know, to make sure I'm in, continue in a good place. And then by the end of the session, I was like, oh, life is so hard. Because nobody was in a good place. We were all in a lockdown. Don't even know what number it was by then. Oh, mm-hmm. um, it's over Zoom, which is extremely convenient. And I've done, I've done telephone counselling with her. I've done messenger Mm. with and have done Zoom, um, and for me, seeing them yeah as the closest we can get to being in person is really really helpful. Um, there's a great there's a great service messenger service. Mm. I've used, I've used them all. Uh-huh. So I've done it over email. Found that very useful. But there's a I think it's called text to shout. Oh um, yeah, incredible because. That whenever it takes a lot to be able to speak whenever you're in distress or despair mm. so to be able to type it and send it and get an immediate response i find so so useful yeah yeah, yeah. So if you, i'd say if anyone's afraid to jump on a zoom call with a counselor those tech services or those email services mm-hmm. it's dipping your toe in with yeah. them and also you can just not reply <laughs> <laughs> I got to a point where I was like, I don't want to, so yeah. I just didn't. Yeah, yeah, because there's no, there's no judgment. There's no, yeah, there's no kind of strings attached. Really, sure there isn't. It's, um, because even like I've the counselor I'm seeing at the minute, I've been seeing her two two years. You know, we have a great relationship, but still, there's some things that I like that'll take me maybe three sessions to be able to verbalize what I know I need to say to her. Or what I know I need to talk about. So yeah, being able to text it, or you know, yeah. you know, as you're saying, being able to text something whenever you can't put put words around it. Yeah, because I think the way you described it earlier on, like it's a relationship, mm. and you might need to try a few people before you find the counselor that really fits. Um, you know, that uses a methodology that suits you, that you relate to, that that mm-hmm. you kind of connect with um did you like how did you find building that connection with the counselor over zoom um you know what's very true i've not really thought about the fact that i've never met her um strange it's definitely not 
as good as it would be in person. Um, but yeah, I, I think we've built a good relationship, and it's been quite a while. Um, I know I go once every two weeks. Mm. Used to be once every week. Um, and I think yeah, I think it's been healthy. And to be honest, the separation is quite nice. Mm. I didn't know her so well. Yeah. Um, so I feel, I think I'm coming to her with more things that before I would have made them wait a few more months to get. Um, <laughs> to get down to the good stuff. I get down to the good stuff a lot quicker because <laughs> if, it go, <laughs> if it kind of goes a bit harsh, please just end the call. Yeah. <laughs> turn off my camera. Yeah. The other thing, you can turn off your camera. Yeah. I've not done this, but I love the power that comes with that. Because if you're too embarrassed or you're red in the face, mm -hmm. you can just use the audio. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a very, and I think it's going to stay past all of this. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm also just, I've just dropped down to fortnightly with my counsellor. Um, was this the first, yeah, this was the first week of not seeing her. Um, I normally see her on a Monday. And like Monday lunchtime, I was like, oh, this is quite nice not having to go to counselling. And then by Monday at like four o'clock, I was like, ah, maybe I regret my <laughs> maybe I do need to still <laughs> see her weekly. Uh, but now by Wednesday, I'm feeling fine again. So I think it was just the like shock of, oh, I haven't seen my counsellor today. I have all this emotion that I need to like get out. Um, but I, you know, I had seen my counsellor in the flesh for a year or so before before zoom kind of came in and i like this time last year i had just gone off work um because my anxiety had got really bad um and i just i'd been seeing my counselor for a few weeks and then when lockdown kicked in you know we all thought what a month couple of weeks so she's like do you want do you want to do yeah, and she's like, will we keep going over Zoom? I was like, no, no, I don't fancy that. Just, you know, I'll see you in a week or two. And then, of course, <laughs> three or four months later, I, like, my anxiety was a lot worse. And I couldn't see my counsellor because she had no, she had no spaces or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I'm very, very grateful that we can still, that we can still do it over Zoom. But I do, I do feel for people who or maybe who are starting and yet the convenience of being able to do it over zoom but that not being able to build maybe the connection as quickly with your counselor or you know those kind of practical mm -hmm. things of seeing somebody in the room you know i imagine that's maybe a bit more difficult if you haven't if, yeah if you haven't kind of met them before or experienced yeah. Um, counseling before. Bizarre. I've really not thought about that that much. I obviously. I do think as well. There's something about Zooms. The convenience of it is great, but something I talk about a lot in counseling is the fact that I overwork myself. Mm. Um, I just I love working. I, not that I love it. I hate it sometimes, but I'm constantly having to to work and do stuff. And the one downfall is I will work right up until. If I meet them at two o'clock, I'll work until one fifty nine, and then I'll jump on the Zoom call, do my counselling, 
and then one minute later hop back into work mm. and I do that's something that I miss the having to take three hours out of your day to go to an office and sit there mm-hmm. and then having to go back because yeah. I think the, the walking or the the car journey I do think you it, you ruminate and you yeah. Definitely. So that's definitely something that I miss. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I suppose, again, like, back what we were talking about, about wanting to tick that box of, yeah, counselling is done. But sometimes, especially if I have counselling and then maybe have a yoga class in the evening back when I could be outside and doing things, like, the amount of times I've cried in yoga because it's taken, it's taken me to get to that point of where my breathing is connected with my body and my brain and then all the pennies start dropping of things that we've talked about in counselling but it you know I needed to I needed to do those extra steps for Mm -hmm. it for it to yeah really have an impact um so yeah you need that kind of processing time it's not just I've been to counselling tick move on in my efficient brain, I would love it to be, I take my box and then I can carry on. But you do need, like you said, whenever you're, yoga is so good. As mm-hmm. someone who doesn't practice anywhere near enough or kind of anywhere at all <laughs> at the minute. Um, but being in your body and breathing and that stuff like there are, you You can do yoga from home. Mm-hmm. You can go on uh, yoga with Adrian. Mm-hmm. Did, 30 day trial I think I got five days in like even a little bit yeah. it's quite nice oh absolutely um, it all helps definitely and it's a boy also I do think there's a big thing about taking time for yourself um, and I think that's what counselling is for me it's mm-hmm. that time where I don't think about anyone else and I can be selfish mm. I really I don't know there's something we don't do that a lot and mm-hmm. I think I'm sure you know from working in the charity sector you're constantly thinking about um serving the needs of other people mm-hmm. and no one really i actually oh, i actually i do have a story i've totally forgotten about a repressed one. Oh, great yeah uh, it was uh re- it was quite recent it was just it was over christmas in retail and i work on oxford street which at christmas during the pandemic was a lot of fun and I was going 100 miles an hour, having customers wash their hands at pink, and I was just going and working and working and working. And then someone came up to me and asked me if I was okay. And I mean, I went from being fine to in floods of tears and having to run back. And I do think we're not great judges of how we actually are. Mm-hmm. At that point, I was. I was clearly not okay and then whenever I talked to my counsellor about it we between us figured out why and to anyone else not in my situation at that point I was working seven days a week and I was starting at 7am and then going home starting my other job doing that in the evenings and then back in at 7am it was so obvious from her perspective that that's not sustainable or healthy mm-hmm. and that's why you we call we call our breakdowns our breakthrough. Oh, that breakthrough. Um, <laughs> and but yeah, I do think. But I wouldn't have noticed. I probably would have kept going on. 
that vicious cycle had it not been for Hudson the next week. Mm, yeah, to unpack it and untangle it all mm. and straighten it's it all. Nature is, I would have dried my tears and got back out and sold more so. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's just kind of how I deal with things. Yeah, yeah. Um, so someone called me out on that and being like, no, that's that's not sustainable. And are there any kind of strategies or tools that you've that you've learned from counselling that you still, you know, that you find helpful or that you still use? A big one is um, is journaling, scribbling, and um, I'm not I'm not an artist. My drawings are horrible, but I think there's something about having a like a sharpie or a pen and just carving into paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't have to look pretty it's my journal is my space no one else reads it so I say things and then I, it's on paper so you can go back and mm. look at it you can even read not all journal entries are horrible either some of them are me having a great day and documenting it so then whenever I am feeling a bit bad I'll go back and I'll, I'll read that page because mm-hmm. I'm like oh yeah do you remember that day um, so I think journaling is my main one uh, breathing classic yeah uh, yoga also really good and I need to stress because my friends are going to listen to this and be like you took two yoga I really don't I'm really bad at it but when I do it's great yeah. um, <laughs> or going for a run like I do maybe once a month yeah. or once every two months little things like that that just get you in your body mm-hmm. and very useful so Pete, I'll go with my final cheesy question. So how did that make you feel? It made me feel really good, actually. I was quite nervous before, um, but I think, yeah, there's something about speaking to another person from back home about these things. This this wouldn't have happened 10 years ago. No. Mm-mm. Not even because podcasts didn't exist, but just us two having a conversation. Oh, definitely not. No, not at all. Um, but... It's really uplifted me to see. That, um, just how far we've moved mm. and how quickly we're moving even further in the right direction yeah absolutely well thank you thank you so much for um, yeah I I love any kind of conversation where creativity and the arts and all those good things are all in the melting pot so yeah really really enjoyed it this is honestly I loved it I do this with you every night okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to go let me know tell how <laughs> how much I enjoyed that conversation um so Jeremiah get Pete for um giving up your time and sharing with us all um your experience I'm afraid I don't have time for my usual pod and book um recommendations so um find me on Instagram and I'll maybe put them up there during the week and check out post pieces see what they're doing they're running loads of really great um workshops and sessions most of them near all of them are free so check them out and support them but until i speak to you again mind yourselves girl maggot for listening and i'll speak to you all soon bye pod friends how did that make you feel how did that make you feel how did that make you feel with rachel power